So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. I did it. I did it already. Oh, I'm slow. I did it too. Okay. <laughs> Yay. Welcome to Feature Creep. Colon. Built-in microwave. Semi-colon. Semi-colon. The one about the cartoons. Sweet. Uh, uh, so many fond memories of Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. I, yeah. Is So this one for me, I, I've... Well... So Saturday morning cartoons are a... Um, they're obviously a generational thing. Like they're not, I don't think that's a thing now. Well, Oh yeah. I don't know that it is either. As you're fond of, uh, fond of referring it, referring to it. Um, appointment TV is a thing of the past. It's an archaic concept. Um, yes. It's like so old and out of touch because there was like cable reruns and then there was things like Roku and digital cable and you could just record stuff and then everybody was hoarding all these recordings of stuff they'd never get around to watching. Mm-hmm. But before all of that, you had to actually show up at the right time on the right day to see the show you wanted to see. Yeah. For your region, that was something that I always found kind of interesting. Um, the, uh, Yeah, it's just... It, I feel like it was archaic before it actually died. There was yeah. already there. I remember in college, there was already a lot of access to online content. Um, things were, uh, what was it? Um, that the, the <laughs> very best of, of, um, like, uh, TV recording was, um, TiVo. Tivo was yes, Tivo yes, was amazing. The Tivo, yep, yep. Uh, yeah, they were, they were so good. Anyway, uh, so this one is about Saturday morning cartoons, or not really just Saturday morning cartoons. Any real, any cartoons. Yeah, I got onto this idea because I was up late one night perusing the internet, and I and I discovered the Wikipedia article on Dino Saucers, which is a cartoon from 1987, which I vaguely remember. And this cartoon is, uh, it follows the dinosaurs and their battles against the evil Tyranos. <laughs> and so dinosaurs is, uh, they're, they're evolved dinosaurs kind yeah. of. Um, yeah. So they had, they had this button on the front of their uniform, which when pressed would instantly devolve them into their primitive ancestral dinosaur state. So they'd uh, just become regular dinosaurs. Yeah. Well, they would retain their intelligence and speech capacity. Um, and on the show, it was called Dinovolving. And it was their sort of special ability um, that they would mm. use to kind of solve problems or whatever. You know, it would be like... They're sort of humanoid, kind of, and then they'd yeah. then they would dinovolve into their their massive forty foot long allosaurus or their um, you know 
dimetrodon or whatever they were. You know, each one had their mm. own. Uh, like tricera was a triceratops. Um, Sounds kind of unconvincing. Oh, it's it's terrible. Um, <laughs> but it was a kids show, and so there was there were the the dino saucers, and then there were the secret scouts, and the secret scouts were these four teenage humans that were the dino saucer allies, right? And they had okay. um, there was a white girl and a white boy, and then a black boy, and then a sort of dark haired nondescript other ethnicity boy hmm. um and uh and you know so it was kind of it this is like right this is the late 80s um it's like i somehow feel like that's more diverse than a lot of things we subsequently grew older with oh absolutely it was huh. uh you know in some ways it was an early attempt to be broadly appealing to yeah. a wider audience um and be more inclusive so I guess props for that. I don't know. It's someone who dino saucers, dino saucers. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an absurd idea and I, I don't remember a lot of the plot lines, so I can't really say, um, Ugh. you know, how, how good or bad it was. It was probably not great. It, uh, it has 65 episodes though in one season. So that's something. Um, in one season, were they like five minutes long? No, is it the sort of thing were, where like every half hour show had two episodes? Uh, I don't know. Let me look and see. Um, it doesn't say on Wikipedia, so I am not sure. Well, I think what it was is that they they kind of. I think they were. They were kind of ultimately released to home video, I think. Like, they didn't really... Uh, let me read, let me see here if it says... So, this was... Uh, it was a 1987 animated series co-produced in the United States and Canada, produced mm. by DIC Animation City. Um, and... Uh, so, it was in distribution and syndication in the U.S. Uh, by Coca-Cola Telecommunications. It's funny... Wow. Uh, yeah. So talk about some vertical marketing right there. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, cartoons were just a huge marketing ve vehicle to kids. I mean, I think they still are. It's been, it's a problem. Okay. Yeah, it's insidious. So, yeah. So each episode was 22 minutes long. So it was a full, you know, it was a half hour okay. segment. Ah, uh, so basically they made 65 episodes for the show's first run syndication, but it only lasted one season. So it lasted one season. There were 65 episodes made. What episodes oh. constituted the first season is hard to say. Yeah. Uh, they're just a massive long list on the Wikipedia article. And um, it's, it, you know, all the plot lines are... There's episode 22, Chariots of the Dinosaur. The Tyrannos travel to the Tyrannos. So those are the evil Tyrannos. Travel to Egypt and force an archaeologist to help them find the tome of Stego Ra, the creator of dino -volving. Um So I imagine, you know, another one is hooray for Hollywood. Stego and Bonehead go to Hollywood to meet the dinosaurs they think are there while Genghis Rex and Ankylio plan to recruit those dinosaurs so it's just kind of 
Oh, here's here's a relevant one from 1987. Divide and conquer. The Tyranos fake news about a new energy source in New York in order to get aloe away from the dinosaurs. Bronto Thunder goes to New York against Albo's orders. But the whole thing about them, the evil Tyranos faking news. Huh. That sounds familiar. 1987. Anyway. (laughs) I feel like... Now there was a conspiracy to precondition all of us to believe bullshit. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, there was. I mean, that's that's well well documented at this point. Mm. Um. So I never watched that show. I. I mean, I maybe saw one or two episodes. I wasn't. Like, I can't even like picture it. It's. I. I'm looking at the list here of like these are all '80s cartoons from the. From uh, not the no, thing. they're just they're just cartoons. Um, some oh. of them are '80s. They're mostly, I would say, the bulk of them are '80s and '90s. There's a few um, that go I don't into remember the remember any of these. Well, um, I think so. Yeah, these are so. The other thing about this list is this is the list of obscure cartoons. These aren't the ones. This isn't like GI Joe or um, uh, Transformers Transformers or even remember GoBots. Did you watch GoBots? No. GoBots was the sort of Transformer knockoff. Um, Huh. I just I thought these were really interesting. Um, for instance, yeah, there's yeah. like there's a gummy bears. I don't remember that. Is oh, is that where they went on picnics all the time? Uh, no, gummy bears was kind of a Smurfy kind of thing. Um, mm. Gummy bears, I do remember gummy bears. Um, really? Yeah, but also <laughs> gummy bears. A lot of these cartoons you have to remember are like. Yeah, so Disney Adventures of the Gummy Bears was that was nineteen eighty five to nineteen ninety one. So that was that was peak Saturday morning for me. Um, yeah, and that was kind of these anthropomorphic bears who lived. They they kind of lived in Gummy Glen, which was this sort of. Um, they lived in a hollow tree. Yeah, and so it was. um, They kind of, they kind of had these sort of adventures, and they had different characters, and they were always kind of. It it always vibed. It it always felt a little bit like Smurfs to me. Um, Mm -hmm. Just kind of the Mm -hmm. whole living in a forest and fighting the evil, and our little town is always besieged by some terrible tyrant. Um, Right. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I think the gummy bears kind of bounced when they were in the combat scenes, which all great cartoons had to have combat scenes, I guess, when you're fighting evil. Uh. I don't know. But they would they would bounce maybe. It's been a long time. Yeah. Did you watch that cartoon Snorks? Yes, I did watch Snorks. I remember that one. I feel like that sure. should be on this list even though it's not. Yeah, snorks should be on the list. Like, what else? There's a few of them. Okay. Um, okay. So, yeah, Damon just watched the intro to Dino Saucers and was like, uh, I vaguely remember maybe seeing this. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, what was your. I don't remember it at all. What was your favorite cartoon? 
Ren and Stimpy. Oh, so good. Ren and Stimpy was so good. Yeah, hands down, Ren and Stimpy. When I was younger, I liked Gem. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't allowed to watch Scooby-Doo because I watched it once and I had a nightmare, but I don't think the nightmare had anything to do with Scooby-Doo. I think it was coincidental. Yeah, yeah. But my parents were like, obviously, this is too scary for you, although I don't think it was. Because ironically, like, my parents are like Second Amendment gun nut types and uh-huh. like the nightmares i always had as a kid involved like people in our family getting shot it wasn't like cartoon violence or like scary ghost shit it was right. like it turns out actually absolutely realistic things to be afraid of if your family runs around mm-hmm. handling guns out in the open all the fucking time right Yikes. stupid anyway yeah so uh i really liked scooby-doo even though i wasn't allowed to watch it I loved Ren and Stimpy. I loved Gem, which I saw on the list of like obscure cartoons here. Yeah, I mean, I uh, to be clear, I think this is a loosely obscure list. It, there's right, obviously yeah. some on here that are not. Um, yeah, Gem. Gem was a solid cartoon. Gem was like, yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty great. Um, I had a Gem doll. Oh, you had a you had a gem doll. That's pretty tan. Awesome. Yeah, like a Barbie, but like yeah. they were bigger than Barbies. They were like taller and um, like just slightly larger dolls. Right. Um, right. I recall us liking Muppet Babies a lot when we were kids. Muppet Babies. Yep. We would watch that before we had to catch the bus, and then I would like freak out and not want to be on the bus. <laughs> also, not related to Muppet Babies. Uh huh. Yet somehow I was allowed to watch that. Um, I don't remember Dungeons and Dragons, the animated series. That's interesting. So I remember that one. Um, that one was pretty. I was. I thought that one was pretty fun. But I think. I think as an adult, I watched a couple of um, clips of it on YouTube or something, and realized that it was really not that great. Yeah. I, I mean, like most of these cartoons. Pee Wee Herman is more of like a puppet show, live action puppet show. But I we watched that mm-hmm. before we watched Run and Stimpy too. Yeah, Pee Wee's like, Playhouse. Yeah, because I think that was on television before Run and Stimpy got popular. Run and Stimpy, I was already like an older child when that came on. I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. That was the same for me. Um, Pee Wee was much more. Pee Wee Herman was like. Pee Wee Playhouse was, well, it started, when did it start? So, 1986, well, maybe? Uh, when was Pee Wee on TV? <sighs> Come on, yeah, pull yourself up a chair. Oh, yeah, 1986 to 1990. Yep, on CBS. Okay. Mm-hmm. 86. I got to make a note of that. It was so good. I, yeah. yeah, and there's uh, just for if you're bored and you want to watch a really kick-ass documentary about art, one of the guys who did the puppets on Pee-wee's Playhouse is in a documentary called Beauty is Embarrassing, and his name is Wayne, and he's like an exceptional artist. Yes, that was a, such a good documentary. I so really loved good. that one. Yeah, Beauty is Embarrassing. Um, let's see, when was Ren and Stimpy on TV? 
that was I think that was a little later. That was like late nineties, I am guessing. Hmm. Um, but I thought um it, it's interesting. So Ren and Stimpy was ninety one to ninety six. Okay. Yeah, so early nineties, I guess I was a little off there. Um So I was like 12 to 16 years old yeah yeah because i remember kind of middle school high school that being being the the jam um or the absurd cartoon to be watching and talking about at school with friends and um like when that song about log kind of hit the airwaves log log it's big it's heavy it's wood log log is better than bad it's good such a good song (laughs) totally off key yeah that's okay uh (laughs) so from a design perspective there was a lot that went into this sort of cartoon complex industrial complex i know it's not an industrial complex but you know the machine (laughs) the machine of the hannah barbera cartoon industrial complex right (laughs) um there's these uh, so as we were kind of talking about before the concept of appointment TV, there was this time when networks, so these like channel mm-hmm. networks, like they usually had one channel on television and then everybody yeah. got to, you know, that's where they put all of their shows out kind of like a radio station. And the networks had, they kind of had control over how shows were made and what they were like, what time they got put on. And so that kind of made or break broke a show. And so the prime time for cartoons was Saturday morning, uh, or at least there was this sort of Saturday morning cartoon time slot that was, um, a big deal for a while. And Mm -hmm. I was reading through the, um, I was reading through the article on Wikipedia and there's some really interesting things. So um, between the 1960s and the 1980s, there was this like evolution where it was like really kind of hitting its legs. Um, Our generation probably would be uh, the adaptation of the Belgian comic strip, the Smurfs into the hugely successful 1980s TV show. The The Smurfs were Belgian. Yep. Yeah. That makes so much right? weird sense. Like Gargamel, right? Like all of the like all the weird sort of countryside castle, you know. Yeah. Smurfs living in the woods, um, kind of fairy tale like settings, uh, which then of course created or kind of opened the door to all these other cartoons, um, like we've talked about, Snorks. Um, Trollkins, mm-hmm. which I never watched, but I I, I remember that, but I, I, I never I know that. I never yeah. watched it. Um, there was uh, My Little Pony. Um, I'm, yep, I know. definitely watched My Little Pony before it became some like weird brony thing with Nazis. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but then you go back a little earlier, and there's these other interesting shows. So. Um, there were, uh, there was Star Trek, the animated series that kind of like took off after, mm. after Star Trek, the original series was going. took off. <laughs> 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 um, 
in the seventies, there was uh, there was a cartoon about Mork and Mindy. I'm pretty yep. sure. There, I never watched that one. I never I watched that one either. I vaguely feel like I may remember it. Yeah. Um, there was a cartoon called The New Adventures of Gilligan that was a cartoon based on Gilligan's Island. Um, mm. I, I've never even seen that. I can't even imagine. Mm-mm. But or Sounds horrible. My <laughs> I know, right? My favorite is... Um, so happy days became a cartoon or there was a cartoon called the Fonz and the happy days gang. Oh, right. Sounds terrible too. There's also partridge family. 2200 AD, 2200 AD. Like what? Oh, just the partridge family in the future. Here you go. (laughs) And the great thing about this. So, this cartoon was made, uh, this was a Hanna-Barbera production. It was, there were 16 episodes, one season, and it was aired in 74 to 75. Okay. And it's it's kind of, like, you can imagine it's what the Jetsons, like, morphed, like, came from. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's bizarre. That is bizarre. Um, so that would, doesn't make any fucking sense, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So in the '60s, Saturday morning cartoons were much more comic book adaptations, like Superman, Aquaman, Spider Man, the Fantastic Four, the Men, the Men, Space Ghosts, the Herculoids. Herculoids. Uh, okay. Yeah, just the Herculoids was an interesting one. Um, I don't remember that either. I so I I mean obviously it was before my time. It was it it was originally re- released in 1967 and went for looks like one season or basically 18 episodes, maybe a few more, maybe 22. But essentially, hmm. it was really it was before our time. Um, the Herculoids was this like sort of, uh, I'm not sure. It's sort of like a, there's like a space barbarian and, (laughs) you know, it's sort of like Hercules in space kind of thing. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) just, just really bizarre. Uh, and a lot of these shows (laughs) had kind of tie-ins with the other comic book characters like, Space Ghost and um well that's the only one that I can see at the moment. But um anyway, just just really bizarre stuff. <laughs> so, so I mean that's the sixties, then we talked about again like the seventies, we you had kind of this cartoonification of popular sitcoms. Um then then you had sort of 70s was sort of the the spawn of Scooby-Doo, which was just a ridiculous cartoon, um, you know, still talked about today. People, It's still kind of a joke, right? Like, it's kind of a meme people talk about, like, unmasking the, like, evildoer and finding out it's some ridiculous person, right? Um, right. Let's see. So 80s we talked about, and 
in the 80s was probably, like you said, the Muppet Babies. Um, there were the Flintstones. Although I, I remember watching the Flintstones and thinking like a lot of it didn't make any fucking sense. Right. Right. Like <laughs> like how they have to push around they have like all this industry and they're mining rocks and stuff, but they have to push their feet with their car or their cars with their feet. Uh -huh. There's no way. There's right. no way that would move. Right. <laughs> Just even as a kid it didn't make sense to me. Like what? This can't you want be me right. to what? This isn't that's so great. So um, this story is kind of interesting, too. So, you know, we're getting through the 80s. We've got Gem and the Holograms. We've got Garfield and Friends. We've got Peanuts. We've got, um, like we talked about, My Little Pony, the Smurfs, Snorks. And then, mm -hmm. uh-oh, here comes the watch group backlash. So, you know, oh. kids are sitting in front of TVs and... Um, and now, like, along comes this action for children's television, which actually appeared in the 1960s. And and they had concerns about the presentation of commercialism, which, to be honest, I, it's, I think it was something, like, I still have concerns about that. Because the cartoons mm -hmm. were this, this blatant commercialization and, and ploy to market to children and if you're a parent which i am not but my understanding is that it's it's kind of atrocious like letting your kids watch tv and then like the cartoons they get or the commercials they get exposed to like your child who never knew about this toy is perfectly content and happy and now the rest of the day is ruined because you can't get it to them fast enough yeah i don't know that i'd like if i had kids i don't know that we'd have a tv uh, yeah i mean i i mean we didn't have a tv until we started spending a lot more time around my grandparents because um, they really? had a television. Yeah. So the first maybe six years of my life before my parents divorced, I didn't even know we had a TV. I vaguely remember it, but it wasn't something that I interacted with. And I don't think I ever saw it on. It was something yeah. that was covered with a, like a throw cloth and there was like a plant on top of it. And it was just kind of a piece of furniture that sat in the corner. Um, I think that my parents at the time would get it out sometimes in the evening to watch an old movie or watch, well, they weren't old then, <laughs> watch movies, <laughs> right. um, you know, watch a movie or um, maybe watch like some news or something, but I don't remember it ever really being a, a huge factor. It certainly wasn't a part of my like, my playtime or anything like that. And then afterwards, then when my parents got divorced and I spent more time at my at my grandparents' house, then that was when there was a lot more TV time because they just watched TV all the time. And then also, I as a kid, they would kind of stick me in front of it occasionally when when they needed some, some babysitter. Babysitter. Um, we had like we had a tiny black and white television in my parents' bedroom, uh -huh. and we had a TV on a TV stand in the living room. And then at my grandma's house, she had one of those massive pieces of furniture that's like the television screen built into like this wooden surround with speakers and yeah, all that just crazy the, like, shit. The crazy cabinet. Yeah. And I remember when I was real little and my grandma was taking care of me up until about the age of five or something like that, or maybe even older than that. Um, I would watch TV at her house with her, but we didn't watch it all that much. And I don't remember us watching anything that was like particularly kid oriented. Mm hmm. 
I think maybe the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> right. I don't remember. I don't really remember TV being that big of a thing in our lives. Like, which is weird because uh, my parents always have the television on now at their house. Like, it's never not on. Right. And some other kids we grew up with, their TVs were always on. At our house, it wasn't always on. We did take command of it during Saturday morning cartoon time. Yeah. Yep. Um, that was like our, that was when we were allowed to have control over the TV. Otherwise, it was mostly my parents having control over the TV and having it on all the time. And it was shit that neither of us wanted to watch anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to watch 60 Minutes. Right. So. I, I also, I think we lived in a time when babysitting meant kicking your kid out of the house and not thinking about them for five hours while they got in trouble outside in the outside world. Totally. Like, we spent all of our time outside. Yeah. It was, yeah. In fact, I think one of the sort of complaints about Saturday morning cartoons was that you're still in the house. Get the fuck out. Right. What are you doing in here? Go away. Yeah. Um, like, I remember after Saturday morning cartoons were technically over, my dad would watch, like, NASCAR and shit, uh-huh. and we were like, bye. Yeah. I also was just thinking, I just kind of had the thought when you mentioned the Beverly Hills. Um, yeah. Hillbillies. Hillbillies. That yeah. uh, I remember watching shows like that. I remember thinking that as a kid, I was like, this really doesn't appeal to me, uh-huh. but it seems like it like they're trying to like the absurdity of it and the silliness is all very Mm -hmm. cartoonish and also it's real low brow and there's not a lot of like intellectual thought going on i i I don't want like yeah as a kid you were like how this is obviously a children's television show because no adult would sit and watch this yes right but it's not funny so why is this on tv (laughs) i don't know i don't understand Um, why half the shit that makes it to tv makes it to tv frankly like yeah like, I don't know. Okay, just looking f- through the list of the obscure cartoons. Yes. Like, Cow and Chicken was pretty okay. Yeah. But, like, A Pup Named Scooby-Doo, Alf the Animated Series, Denver the Last Dinosaur, Darkstalkers, The Mask the Animated Series, Dumber and Dumber the Animated Series, Skeleton Warriors, Mummies Alive, Pac-Man. Well, don't skip over the the thing we talked about the most, Dino Saucers. Dino Saucers. How did that get on television? How did that get on television? Well, just all of these ideas are horrible. Like, uh-huh. was, do you think that the 1980s were plagued by the same problem that the entire entertainment industry was plagued by? And that is to say, cocaine? Yes, 100%. Because the people who had the money were not the people being creative. And so... A lot of these projects are probably super creative people getting like doing weird backbends and just really bending over in weird contortions to get any leverage to like make a living while yeah. some coked up executive is like, you know, we that that Smurf show's really good. We need more shows like that rather than someone else just also coming up with a creative idea and being like, hey, I have this really amazing idea. Yeah. No, it's nothing like Smurfs. Well then no one will like it. You don't know. I want those little blue guys with the white hats. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. How about this shocking talking chihuahua and this cat that likes to squish shit in its toes? Like, Ren and Stimpy was light years ahead of these other cartoons because of the character development, 
yep. the nuance, the yep. actual animation style, like the backgrounds that they did in whether it was acrylic or oil paint, I don't know. The ones that were like mid century sort of amazing. psychedelic were yes. fucking amazing. Yep. Yeah. Same with Squidbillies, which was nowhere near on in the 80s, but also has right. like genuinely beautiful background scenery art with the like cartoon characters superimposed. Yeah. Um, but like I just think of oh the storylines and like the the plot devices and stuff of those cartoons were so boring and horrible. And then you look at like Ren and Stimpy and they're like, let's dress up like monkeys in the zoo so they'll feed us. Right. This is brilliant. Yes. Like, so good. The thinking is just so much better. I don't know. I don't know if this is like something if all cartoons have evolved because like that television show cartoon I really liked, Sanjay and Craig, was yes. fucking brilliant oh, comedy too. Yeah, I think that in the last in the last decade we've had a renaissance of amazing cartoons. Um, there's the regular show is really good. Um, mm. Just off the top of my head, I mean, you know, a lot of the ones today are like more adult cartoons. Like we could talk about um, the obvious one, uh, which is. Uh, Rick and Morty is kind of really popular and, and doing really well and is, is really good writing and really interesting and fun. Um, yeah, well, Dan so. Harmon is like a hero. Yeah. There's those are the ones off the top of my head. But my point being is I mm -hmm. think that we've they've definitely evolved. And I think that there probably was a lot of these cartoons tried to reach for greatness but were stamped down by that's too intelligent make it dumb yep so because a lot of these cartoons you watch them it's like oh god like the concepts are just super transparent nothing is nuanced everything is like really in your face mm -hmm. um and a lot of them also were just made for marketing. So Captain N and the Game Masters was literally a, a Nintendo advertising platform to oh. get people to buy. It's like, here's a cartoon. And if you have a Nintendo, you're part of the club. So Wow. You Those know. bastards. Yeah. And so, I mean, whoever made it isn't necessarily the, the creative minds behind it. Maybe were like trying to express some interest you know, interesting ideas in their, uh -huh. their narrow wedge of like getting some corporation or network executives to agree that they should be paid for their ideas and, you know, all yeah. of the things. So I, I, I have no idea, but I have to imagine that it's, it's pretty shit. Um, <laughs> right. Um, yes. Well, yes, it's just, it's a race, like, like we've determined or discovered with other things related to making money. Yeah. It's always a race to the bottom because your I, the big idea with like capitalism is to expand the margins of profit and shrink everything else. So you're devoting fewer resources to or taking more resources away from the thing itself that is supposedly making you money. Like it's super counterintuitive, doesn't really work that well. Right. I mean, it works great for like smash and grab if you want to like create something, get people hooked on it in, you know, up front. And then before they realize how like low quality it is, siphon a bunch of money off of them. Great. But if you're actually trying to put something out that has value and longevity, you're going to have to have some investment into the intellectual and artistic renderings of this thing and like i feel like all of the 80s cartoons were devoid of that because like you said they were they were they only existed to sell something else mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the big hope with any new cartoon was that it would just become a merchandising boon. Right. I remember Battletoads. I saw that on the list. Yes, Battletoads. Um, weird show. And that's, you know, that's kind of how the, the things worked that, you know, then it was like, if you had a video game, you made a cartoon of it. If you had a cartoon, you tried to make a video game of it. If you had mm -hmm. either or both of those things, you were also trying to make toys that people could buy. That that was kind of your whole front. And so sometimes you had li like, you already had licensing, like, you took existing popular shows like we were just talking about, um, mm -hmm. you know, Gilligan's Island or, um, you know, Alf, That's the animated so bizarre. series. Yeah, it's really bizarre. Like, what did Ginger and Marianne look like as cartoons? I I don't even I know. I shudder to think. Right? Right. <laughs> um, I mean, they were, they were drawn in the uh, Hanna-Barbera style of, of that sort of animation house or pr production house. So you can kind of imagine that they looked a little like characters from um, Scooby-Doo or some other similar similar uh, yeah. production. So it's not... Probably a lot of crossover with actual animators, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because Hanna-Barbera Productions, they had... Um, they were an animation studio as well as other other things. I mean, they were a production house. So they had some probably like really talented people and yeah. And yeah, they, I mean, they had a ton of a ton of cartoons. I mean, Tom and Jerry being like a big one. Was that? Oh yeah. That was Hanna-Barbera, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. They were behind the Smurfs, the Yogi Bear show, uh, the Flintstones, Scooby-Doo, the Jetsons. Okay. Yeah, so... I guess I was a... I loved the Jetsons. I remember thinking as a kid, not like... <laughs> not like if, but when I get a Jetsons car that folds up into a briefcase that I can carry around with me. Yes, right, right. <laughs> I was like, I can't wait to get mine. <laughs> I Any day now. <laughs> We we could do we should do a podcast where we maybe watch an episode or two of the Jetsons and then just kind of yeah. talk about it from a design perspective. Oh, that's a good idea. I'll make a note of that. Because Jetsons. there's definitely um there's an aesthetic there, like there's a sort of artistic and sort of um kind of theme. Got it. Yeah, what were you gonna say? Uh, yeah, it's like super, super stylized. Yeah. Um, and like even down to like the fact that they have a robot maid, but they don't make her prepare food. Like, don't they get their food out of some button pushing machine? Yes. Yeah. It's, it is, if, if I remember correctly, and it's been a little while, it's a strong commentary on kind of absurd laziness and things where it's like, like, yeah, the, the kind of like complaining about, um, chores and then then you like oh, i don't want to clean the dishes and then you know elroy going like okay and then walks over to the you know walks over to the dish station and pushes a button and then walks away like that's it it's done and so it just becomes this it's this sort of absurd absurd commentary on on living yeah. in a time where things are so so easy and 
you kind of have a lot of free time to think about, you know, other things. And anyway, right? Yeah, it's uh, it, that would be a really good one. Um, I I wrote it down so that we can do it. Yay! It's going to be great. Yay! Jetsons. Oh. Um, what are some of the other like? I remember He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. I was all about that show. Yep, yep. When we were kids, every kid in my neighborhood was into that show. Um, and we used to play these elaborate make-believe games uh-huh. in our... Because we were outside all the time. We weren't actually indoors doing things or watching cartoons. We were outside running around doing the stuff. Uh-huh. And so like when we would play outside a lot of the time... We would adopt characters for ourselves from cartoons or movies or something that we had seen as kids. Yeah. And um, uh, I always did spells and shot arrows from a bow and arrow. That was like my thing, right? That's and, fun. And if we played Transformers, I was always the little yellow bug car. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's great. And our neighbors like Chad and Brett were Optimus Prime. Bumblebee. And, uh, yes, exactly. That yeah. was me. Um. Yeah, so like the Transformers, and I think like we watched GI Joe a lot too. Yeah, I watched a fair amount of GI Joe, probably to my detriment. Um, it was definitely my brother watched it more than I did. I think it was just in the background for me. Yeah, he also watched a lot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I did. I did watch a lot of that show. I I think a lot of the shows I watched just because that's what my friends watched, and I didn't want to mm. not be on board with whatever they were doing even though i maybe wasn't that into it um yeah like i think like i think my parents kind of um did the precursor to what parents now do and gave us screen time so it was like you're only going to sit in front of a fucking television for two hours today right so if you want to watch cartoons or if you want to play video games we don't care but you're not like at 3 p.m the tv goes off or whatever right right yeah, I definitely had really regulated TV watching time. Yeah. Um, which was to say, as long as they were around to enforce it. If they weren't yeah. around to enforce it, I just watched TV whenever I felt like it. But um, yeah. when they were there, it was definitely enforced. <laughs> um, did you ever, like when you played with your friends, did you guys ever export whatever the plot of a cartoon that you enjoyed was to your make-believe or not so much yeah yeah i think so i that definitely rings a bell i'm i'm trying to think of explicit examples um i feel like i feel like gi joe was kind of popular with my friends on the block for a little while so i think we've reenacted at least a couple of i kind of remember like prison break kind of thing (laughs) or like breaking out of like you know being imprisoned or being like held captive and that kind of like those kinds of games um yeah where it's always it's always a funny mix between like one person kind of having seen the show or and then telling us how we're gonna do it or maybe we both saw it and then the there's a lot of deliberating around what the rules are and how one person's supposed to behave and the other person's supposed to behave and um, yeah yeah it's just kind of a funny interaction that's <laughs> <laughs> right yeah that's right um what else is on this insane list oh the mighty ducks animated series i remember that yeah yep um I like this. Uh, 
Wild West C.O.W. Boys of Moo Mesa. Yes, this cartoon. What the fuck was that? This cartoon cracks me up. So Wild West Cowboys, which is C period, O period, W period, dash boys of Moo Mesa, (laughs) is this uh, 92 to 93 animated television series. This is an American television series um, by this comic book artist, Ryan Brown. And so he had worked on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And it was part of the Saturday morning lineup for ABC. Uh And uh, it's it had to do with this mutation where these people were um, some, I guess, in an irradiated comet struck the late 19th century Western Plains, creating a miles-high mesa shrouded in clouds. Everything trapped on top of the mesa was cowmatized by the light from the cowmet oh, and evolved no. into a bivo bivopomorphic state. Oh my god. Bo bovi bovipomorphic state. Right. Inspired by old tales of the Wild West, this new bovine community developed to the point where they emulated the, the that era's way of life, including the requisite ruffians and corrupt sheriffs. Um, How did they find out about the Wild West? I guess they just had, like, it was just sort of people who remembered. Because you have to remember they were living in the 19th century on the Western Plains. And then then this catastrophe happens. Yeah, so it says, however, their knowledge of the Wild West was limited. I'm reading the plot from uh, Wikipedia here. And as such, many things about their culture had to be improvised to fill fill in the blanks. So the concepts of steampunk and Weird West were utilized throughout its run. So steampunk at that point, um, as a concept, was not in the modern lexicon. And it probably, you know, steampunk stems from like early 19th century sci-fi romances like Jules Verne and H.D. Wells. and Yeah. Um, so... It was, uh, it's, it probably, it probably originated in the late 1980s as a variant of cyberpunk. Hmm. That's my guess. Um, But the point being is that, you know, so the late 80s cyberpunk comes along. The idea of steampunk is probably like really in its infancy, maybe just kind of jokingly. And then this cartoon comes along called called wild west cowboys of movies <laughs> so um yeah so the series was kind of focused around trying to keep justice in the frontier territory um and i guess there were sort of frontier cow justice right so there's this uh oh great so there's this group of pe- peacekeepers called known as the Cowboys. See the you know the acronym Cow Dash Boys. What does the in- what does the acronym stand for? Uh, it's short for Code of the West. And it's so the whole thing, if you spell it out, is Wild West Code of the West Boys of Moo Mesa. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's fucking terrible. It's terrible, but I have to um, appreciate. If you're listening to this and one of your relatives, like your uncle or something, was a part of this, I want you to scold them for me. 
I I don't know. I have to I have to draw some parallels and some joy from the fact that um, I do enjoy an overly complicated title uh, that has way too much Fair. going on with it. Um, they don't use a colon or a semicolon, so I feel like we're we're way ahead of them on that front. But they, they do, do have use yeah. three periods, and one of them is followed immediately by a hyphen. Yes, which is pretty great. Period hyphen. So yeah, that's. I just want to like you know in their defense. I feel like they, in some way, spiritually laid the groundwork for this fabulous show that we're currently talking on. I will accept that for now. Okay. Well, it gets better. <sighs> so this team of of uh, of Code of the West hyphen boys is led by none other than Marshall Moo Montana. Oh. <laughs> they have, and they also have the Dakota Dude, which is a it's not a it's not a terrible name but it's not it's not as good as Colorado kid ouch these people are not good at puns nope nope but it's fantastic as well um wild west cowboys of moo mesa strong points not puns not puns <laughs> um i remember mega man cartoon oh mega man yes that was one do of- you remember street sharks so I do. I did not watch it because I believe that it was on a channel that I per- there was another cartoon that I preferred to watch at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember it. Mostly it was just bizarre because I just remember it's like all these things. It's like these sort of mutated humans, right? So it's... Um, yeah, and so Street Sharks was... When was that out? So that had a good run. That was three seasons, 22 minute long episodes. um, And that was from 94 to 97. So that was, that was past our prime, right? It it appealed to a younger crowd because it was probably like basically absurd kind of dumb humor. Um, Right. Yeah. (laughs) Although. Dumb. It seems like it was more episodic. I'm I'm just sort of skimming over the Wikipedia article. It does suggest that there was like some wrap up in the last episodes and um some kind of ongoing overarching story arc. Mm. Which is a big deal for that time. Like, you know, maybe this is where we're seeing like that kind of transition into the new the new paradigm where cartoons can actually be intelligent and interesting. Right. So yeah, there have been some really good cartoons. Yeah. I mean, like on this list of obscure cartoons, there's also uh, The Max and um, Aeon Flux, which were both really good. So good. Yeah. Very unusual. Yep. I don't see like, I don't see Rugrats or Doug. No, no. Those I watched a good. fair amount of Rugrats and Doug. I did enjoy those shows as well. I thought Rugrats was pretty clever and, yep. um, you know, music from um, fucking Mark Mothersbaugh mm-hmm. from Devo. Yep. Yep. So the music was great. Yep. Uh, yeah. I like this. Jackie Chan Adventures. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of the thing, right? So there was just a lot of, a lot of these were just sort of trying to capitalize on 
on marketing and existing trends. Right. Um, this one, this one really intrigued me. So there's this Gravedale High, mm-hmm. or sometimes known as Rick Moranis in Gravedale High. That's so weird. It was a Hanna-Barbera production and um and it was it was a it was a vehicle for Moranis building on his star appearance in the series of Ghostbusters and Honey I Shrunk the Kids. So it was uh released in 1990. It had one season of 13 episodes. And it basically was revolved revolved, revolved around the misadventures of the human teacher Max Schneider, who was unwittingly taking taking a who has unwittingly taken a job at Gravedale High School for Monsters near the city of Midtown. Um, well, what about what was he unwitting? I, I don't know. Because if he obvious if he said yes to take the job, he was obviously aware that he'd be teaching a school right right yeah i mean so, i don't know like, maybe is it he the got monsters part that he doesn't know about yeah maybe he didn't realize or something i mean I, i'm reading from the wikipedia storyline so it's hard uh, to know um this is what i'm talking about this shit just screams cocaine to me because it's like, incoherent <laughs> right <laughs> well we've got to make another kid show rick moranis uh okay but uh-huh. what else well he gets into some kind of trouble because he doesn't know what's going on and there's an adventure as a result and uh probably something with high school and kids <laughs> right <laughs> right but monsters yeah monsters too okay got it yep so great gravedale High. i mean it's just garbage but it's also just hilarious that these things were made um yeah the adventures of pete and pete was great but it wasn't really a cartoon although it was on saturday morning it was it? yeah i think it was i think it was on um saturday mornings i mean i think that was part of the try and grab that that demographic of of kids who are like aging out of cartoons but are still kind of you know wanting to get up early and watch tv i guess i don't know um do you remember um on nickelodeon they had like i'm pretty sure it was also on saturday mornings television show called salute your shorts yes yep about a a summer camp yeah nickelodeon man that's like that's a whole that's a whole other podcast if we wanted to talk about that um yeah i mean they had a whole change in like everything about nickelodeon was like very different I mean, their whole kind of motivation was like, this is TV for kids Um, and not just cartoons, but like whole game shows and sitcoms and, and sort of short, what do you call those? Like sketch, sketch based kid shows. Um, Yeah. Like roundhouse and scary, spooky stories to tell in the dark and, or are you afraid of the dark? I think it was, are you afraid of the dark? Yeah. Where they were like sitting around a campfire telling ghost stories yeah um there were also all those like competition games like double dare and guts yep love those wish i could have gone on double dare i dreamed of the day i would go i like i had the whole thing worked out in my mind about why i was going to be a better contestant Um, Mm -hmm. same yeah i mean that's how that's how the shows work um yeah, Salute Your Shorts was like, it was kind of a sketch show, right? Like, they kind of did. It was like, it was episodic. I mean, like, you followed the characters over time and they evolved. And it was oh, all these kids, right. at, yeah. kids at a summer camp yep. having adventures. And, like, there were never any camp counselors around. Right, right, right. Um, 
Yeah, that was a good show. I forgot about that. I remember watching a couple episodes. I was too... Um, <gasps> I think at that point, I... So appointment TV a lot, uh, re- requires you to be able to show up at the time. And so mm-hmm. my ability to have control over that was very limited. So I was not able to like anything that was episodic. I couldn't really enjoy because my likelihood of being able to return to the next time was unlikely. Um, I just kind of mm-hmm. got to watch TV when it was around and if I was able to catch a show or something. Um so I remember yeah. we always used to get to watch TV right after we came home from school because we have a snack or something and mm-hmm. watch television and then go do something else, homework or go outside or whatever. Right. I remember um, on Nickelodeon, they also had Dude Ranch. Dude which Ranch. was great because it was like a bunch of older teenagers working on this Dude Ranch and riding horses and shit. And it was f- hilarious. And Ben Stiller's future wife, Christine, uh, what's her face, was on that show. Uh-huh. I loved that show. That was great, but not Saturday morning and not a cartoon. Huh. I don't think I even know that show. It's pretty great. Was it Hey Dude? Hey Dude! Okay. Yeah, I still don't know it, but I that's, yeah. Not called Dude Ranch. That's called right. Hey dude, hey dude. About a Dude Ranch. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um... I also loved the Muppets. Muppets for us was appointment TV. Yeah, Muppets were great. I, that was just so, uh, such a fantastically absurd TV show. I love Statler and Waldorf, and I loved Animal and Dr. Teeth and like the entire band. I love Janice from the band. Mm-hmm. Um, I always liked Beaker because I related to his anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Beaker's great. Yeah. Um, I also like Buns and Honeydew. Yeah. And I think I also related to Beaker being like, like the, it wasn't, his anxiety was like well-founded because he was watching this person supposedly who was in like in control create these insane situations. And I just felt like that was my life. Like I was constantly watching these people around me you know, assert their authority and like, you know, be in control and then just create these terrible situations. I'm like, what yeah. are you doing? But then not not having any ability to communicate the problem, right? I couldn't yeah. say to you, hey, this is the problem. I can see that it's bad. But when I say words to you, it just comes out as meep, meep, meep. Like no one's listening to me. Yeah. And so that was just like really like hit home for me. Um and so it, it definitely was something I related to, but sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I liked um, Fraggle Rock too. Fraggle Rock was great. Yes. I feel like that was on maybe Saturdays, maybe. Yep. Yeah, I think so. Um, it was, uh, what was the dog's name? Ralph? That I don't remember. I remember the Doozers and they were the ones that built everything that the Fraggles ate. Yep. Yep. And I remember identifying what made me think of this is you identified with Beaker like, oh, God, oh, God, everything is out of control and nobody speaks my language. Yes. And I, I remember identifying with the frustration of the doozers having to be the ones that literally did all of the work of supporting everybody, but nobody else ever chipped in and just ate all of the things as soon as they got done making them. Right, right. I share that angst. Uh, yes. Yep. <sighs> But that show was so, it had so many great moments and just like, 
it was a it was a really good imagination show. Yeah. Um, but all the Jim Henson Henson productions that was a Jim Henson production, I think. Um, Hell yes. Oh right, no, it was literally Jim Henson's Fraggle Rock, with yep. with Jim Henson's Muppets. So, right. Yeah. And of course, like around about the time that all of this was happening, the movie The Labyrinth came out, which was also Jim Henson yeah. and Frank Oz and was like somewhat cartoonish in that it was like thoroughly psychedelic. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was very, very psychedelic. Um, yeah. Just very, very much like a reach of the imagination and exploring like really bizarre concepts. Really fun. Mm hmm. What else? I'm trying to think if there were like any cartoon movies from this era that I really enjoyed. I don't know. I think I can't. We had all kinds of like fairy tale stories on VHS that Shelley Duvall was the narrator for. Oh, really? That were kind of animated. Oh, um, so there was The Hobbit. Oh, yeah. I loved that. I loved that. Um, also, and this is, so this is pre this time, but one of my favorite animation movies was, um, uh, Alice in Wonderland. Oh, the one with like, mm, the one that's kind of cute and cartoony and Disney did it. Yep. And Alice has like a black bow in her hair and she's blonde and has like white tights and black shoes and a blue dress with yes. a white apron. Yep. Yeah. And the, the rabbit has kind of a funny voice. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And he calls her Marianne all the time. Yeah. So it was, this was the, um, 1951 Disney production. Yeah. Yeah. I remember there was, when I was a kid, there was a live action one that came out with a bunch of weird famous people in it. And the girl in that story was also blonde, but she had a peach colored dress with a white apron. Oh, was that um, like a musical? No. Oh, Man, I don't I'm remember. looking at the Wikipedia article. I didn't realize there were so many renditions of this. So film and television, are you ready? Yeah. 1903 was the first silent motion picture, Alice in Wonderland. 1910 Whoa. was an Alice Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, a silent motion picture. 1915, another silent motion picture, Alice in Wonderland. So there's a 1931 motion picture, Alice in Wonderland. There's a 1933 motion picture, Alice in Wonderland. There's a 1949 part live action motion picture, 1949. Then the one that the Disney animated film, 1951 Alice in Wonderland that I just mentioned. Um, there's Alice in Wonderland, a 1993 Czech ballet film. There's a... Oh. Wait, that's out of order. Okay. Well, anyway, 93. So then back to 1966. <laughs> there's Alice there's Alice of Wonderland in Paris, a 1966 animated what? film. Uh there's Alice in Wonderland 1966 TV play made for TV film by the BBC. There's Alice in Wonderland or what's what's a nice kid like you doing in a place like this question mark a 1966 animated television special. <laughs> I bet that was just all drugs. Yeah, right. Alice Ad Alice's Adventure in Wonderland, 1972 film, musical motion picture. Alice in Wonderland, 1976 film, musical film. Um, Whoa. 
Oh, and that one gets dirty. Apparently, the film expands the original story to include sex and broad adult humor, as well as original songs. Um, I feel like that. So when we were out on vacation in the thing yeah. in the desert, right? Uh, there was a group of us all staying together, and um, some of our friends got a projection screen and like screened that I think it must have been that one it was like this weird Alice in Wonderland like semi porno yes yeah I don't know if it's that one but I I have heard of that um right like it's like guys read about it and they're like this is going to be great we're going to play porn on it anyway sorry um yeah like the the people who showed it who brought it to vacation to show it to us said it was the first movie that they went to see together okay like as a date Wow, interesting. I know. Okay, good job. I whatever. Anyway, I mean, if if that works for you, no judgment. That's great. They're still together. Uh huh. Well, hey. Um. All right. So, a 1982 Broadway stage performance of Alice in Wonderland was telecast on PBS's Great Performances in 1983. Oh. Uh. Fushigo no Kuni no Alice is a 1983 animation adaptation. Um, so it was a TV Tokyo Network production. Um, mm. Alice in Wonderland 1985 film made for television film. This might be the one you're talking about. Um, okay. This was a, a two-part made-for-television adventure family fantasy musical film of Lewis Carroll's book, Alice in Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass. Yes, because the Jabberwocky was in this one, okay. and she goes through the Looking Glass. Yeah, so that's probably what you're what you're referring to. There was a stop motion adaptation by John Sven- Svenk Mayer. It's a 1988 hmm. dark fantasy film written and directed by John. S- I'm pronouncing this wrong, but it's a Svenk Svenk Major Major. It's a it's an original Czech title. Hmm. Uh called Nikozi Alenki, which means something from Alice. It is a loose adaptation of Lewis Carroll's first Alice book. Um, Alice in Wonderland, 1988 film, animated film, is an Australian 51-minute direct-to-video animated film from Burbank Films, Australia. That's interesting. So Adventures in Wonderland live-action television series uh, is a 1992 to 1995 American live-action puppet musical television series based on the novels. Um, I want to see that. Yeah. And, oh, that's interesting. So it it it's an adaptation of both Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking mm-hmm. Glass. Mm-hmm. And it's got um it it ran from ninety two to ninety five on the Disney what? Channel. That's I can't believe I didn't know anything about this. Yeah. Um, I love Alice in Wonderland. Like I'm kind of obsessed with it. So there were one hundred episodes in four seasons. Holy shit. How did we not know anything about this? Right. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, that's something to look into and see where I bet that's on the Disney Plus channel now. We should see if we can find it. Um Yeah, that's really fascinating. Okay. Uh Well, I know what I'm watching right? now. The next time I need to binge something. Uh then there was a 99 Alice in Wonderland made for television film film adaptation. 
uh, broadcast broadcast on NBC. There is a 2005 film, uh, Alice in Wonderland, in the Malayalam language, Indian movie directed by Sibi Malayal. So it's a like a Bollywood film, maybe? I don't oh. know. Um, ex- excuse my ignorance on that. I'm not sure. But 2005, um, there was an Alice miniseries in 2009 broadcast on sci-fi. Sorry, they became Siffy. I don't know why they would do that, but they decided to change eyes to Y's, and now they're Siffy. So, um, well, uh, mm. <laughs> sorry. Do you have? Uh, please? Nope. We'll just move right along. Okay. <laughs> um, Alice in Wonderland, 2010 film, which is people are more familiar with, but directed by Tim Burton, which I thought was a very decent interpretation, although. Ultimately, I liked it. yeah. Ultimately, like you're, you're according to this list, number seventeen in line for having made an adaptation of this film. Um, I mean, by far one of my more favorites. Obviously, um, let's see. Uh, Once upon a, in Once upon a time in Wonderland was a 2013 ABC spinoff of the TV series Once Upon a Time. I seem to recall something about that show, though I never watched it. I, um, I, I, it's yeah. I'm seeing like what I think are images of the show in my head. Huh. I think I watched a bit of Once Upon a Time that I had liked. Um, I like I was trying to follow along for a little while, but then I like couldn't kind of keep up with it or something. You know, life. TV's hard to keep up with because it requires you to do all kinds of nothing. Like just sit here and don't think about anything else, or fits, fiddle with anything else, or anything. You have to like. Yeah, take you so much. you really can't. It's a very passive. You can't experience. do multiple things at once. Yeah, no. I have to be like I I have to do something else while I'm watching TV. I can't just watch television. Right, right. And then there's the final one on this list is Alice Through the Looking Glass, the 2016 film, which was the follow up to um, Tim Burton's interpretation mm. um, or production. So. Um, I liked the heads that were floating in the moat. Yeah, in that movie, yes, in that movie, yeah. in that version. Yeah, oh, they were great. No, I mean, there's there's lots to lots to really appreciate about that film. Um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, quite a long list of of people have attempted to make that. What's your favorite Alice in Wonderland character? Um. Oh man, I don't, I don't know. I think I like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think in some ways I kind of liked, I think the thing that, the reason that I like that, that 51 Disney animation is just the, it's like, it's a lot darker than traditional Disney movies of that time. Um, it's also, she's not like rescued by some dude. Um, it's like, it's, it feels more real in the sense that it's like just this absurd shit's happening to her and she's just trying to deal with it and no one's actually giving her any good advice whatsoever. And so that part feels real. So I think for me, like in that film, I just, I appreciate her, like her way of dealing with things and the way that she like 
sees the world and is like, well, this is fucked. I guess I'll try and make a decision here. And someone's like, no, you got to do this or you got to do that. And it's all bad advice. And she's just like, "Mm, I don't know. So um, I like that. I do like um, it's not so much the character, but the characters when they are running around the rock at the beach. Um, Yeah. It's just absurd and and hilarious to me. And I, I do like I like that part of it um the uh tweedledee and tweedledum are pretty hilarious for sure um i i when i was a kid a lot of people liked um like the cheshire cat or the um the caterpillar which i just i felt like they and i'm really talking about the movie this movie particularly i just felt that they didn't really um like they were cool, but they weren't helpful and they didn't do anything and they kind of were a distraction. And like, I just felt like, eh, um, well, the caterpillar gives her good advice. Yeah. Yeah. He tells her that if she eats one side of the mushroom, she'll grow and the other side she'll shrink. And that's he tries true. To teach her. Yes. Like he has no patience for her to wait until she grasps what he's saying. Right. And so then she isn't, then she ends up not being sure which is which. And she puts both of them in her mouth at the same time. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Which like, that just seems unpredictable. You could have done this a scientific way and then it would have been fine. And it wouldn't have mattered whether the caterpillar told you or not, because you could have just. Right. Right. Um, Anyway. Yeah. No. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Um, The Cheshire Cat, I really like because so those two are my two favorite characters. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, I mean, because they're yeah. The I like the I like the caterpillar because I I like how antisocial he is. Everybody else in the yeah in the whole thing gets up in Alice's business. And he's just like, listen, here's the deal. Now leave me alone. (laughs) Right. Right. I'm busy. Um. I'm busy. Get away from me. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And 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 he's like the um sort of the snoot of the group, right? Yeah. Like he's yep. the the like sort of closed off intellectual. I guess I don't know. Yeah. I just his character stands out to me mostly because I feel like I just kind of want to do what he does and sit on a giant mushroom uh-huh. relative to the size that I am and like smoke out of a hookah all day and think about things. Mm-hmm. I find that very appealing. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then uh, I like the Cheshire cat because he occupies a sort of archetype of a trickster character for me. Yeah. And any good like epic journey has to have a trickster on it. Right. To sort of like. And, and he's, he does it well. I mean, he's definitely like, that's, it's a pivotal pivotal piece um in the story plot in the plot line yeah um yeah i mean they're both they're both like very important parts of the plot line and so um from that point of view like they're you know as an adult i'm like yep absolutely this is great yeah Um, but i also really like alice too yeah um i think she's really fun and she's dynamic in a way that heroes usually are not right right uh and i um I also like it's not necessarily a character, yeah. but I really like those tiny little cakes that say eat me. Yes. <laughs> no matter which version of Alice it is you're watching, I'm like, yes. I really want to eat that. Right. right. Yes. <laughs> the drinks I always imagine tasting terrible, like like medicine or poison. Yes. But, but the, the cakes. cakes looked really delicious. Yep. 
Oh, that's oh, they're funny. so good. Um, I do. I also appreciate the Dormouse, who's just like tanked yeah. in the um, you know, because they're drinking tea. Yeah. Oh, did you freeze? I, feel... I think you froze. Oh no! Did I freeze? Uh-oh. Let's see if I come back. Damn it! Uh oh. Okay, technical difficulties. Just gonna make technical a little mark difficulties. Nettle, edit all of this out later, uh, or maybe leave it in. We don't know. It could just get left in. I don't know. I don't know. I'm still recording, though. Oh, you're so. still recording. Okay, you're back. Yeah, Good. I'm back. I was like, I could hear you the whole time, so I just kept up with you. Okay, great. So, um, the yeah. yeah, the dormouse is tanked all the time. Okay, awesome. Yeah, the yeah, the dormouse just uh like well, just kind of like you know running around on the table, like just kind of literally like swimming in a in a cup of tea. Um, yeah. Right, because it's the dormouse's birthday, right? I think. It's I. Uh, it's it's un it's an unbirthday, a very merry unbirthday to you. Right, but I feel like the the dormouse is sad, is like depressed because it is the dormouse's birthday. Oh, I maybe I'm maybe I'm convoluting God, that in my mind. I don't. Um, I don't know. We need to look this up right now. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know uh, how to. Whose birthday in Alice in Wonderland tea party? Um, uh, I, have you ever seen a dormouse? Um, yeah. Yeah. Like on, like in a video? In, uh. Like, have you ever seen an actual animal, a dormouse? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they, they like snore and it's really super cute. Yep. Yeah. Oh man. If you're listening to this, like Google dormouse d-o-r-m-o-u-s-e and like you'll get videos of these tiny little mice curled up and sleeping and they snore it's like the cutest thing ever because they hibernate right. oh god so melter. so um in the wikipedia article it says she encounters both so uh yeah, so the Cheshire Cat sends her along to visit the Mad Hatter and, or the March Hare to learn uh-huh. the rabbit's location. She encounters both along with the Dormouse at the Hare's house having a mad tea party and celebrating their unbirthdays. Um, right. But... Uh, let's see. <laughs> I'm trying to see... Um, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm either. wrong. Maybe that was just something I put together in my mind because the dormouse was so um kind of just just laying or just kind of drunk, right? Um in that scene. But he's sleeping because he's a dormouse. He's hibernating. Yeah. Yeah. Um I love that you're like he's passed out drunk. <laughs> well, they make it seem like that because he's kind of like totally pickled in the tea. And then the way okay. they're all kind of drunk on tea or some liquid that they're drinking out of teacups. They're um, not drunk though, they're crazy. I know I know. I'm just this is my like my mind like when I was a kid, like I just was, you know, didn't have all the context, right? Um Right. Yeah, so I don't know. Or or it's not that you didn't have the context, it's that Disney animated a bunch of conflicting weird things that don't actually like the Mad Hatter is mad because you used to use mercury during yes. the millinery process and so you would get poisoned with heavy metals over time if you were a hat maker. Right. And so he's nuts because he's been poisoned from whatever 
horrible chemicals you use making hats or used to make hats. And the March hare is crazy because hares in the springtime in March are nutso because they're in mating season. Yeah. And the dormouse is asleep all of the time because dormice sleep, sleep all, all the of time. the time and right. hibernate and only wake up like late and into a season of some, I think in summertime. But anyway, like they all, there's all, all of them have a complicated backstory that explains their Yeah, behavior. that is lost in the, yeah. That is lost in the movie because they don't explain it outright. And they conf- give you conflicting and confusing information like, oh, well, he's pickled. So he, and they're all drinking. So it's because they're drunk. Right, right. Which just like blows right past the all nuance of, the, yes, of like, yeah. well, and I love the tea party. That's my favorite scene. It's a great scene. Yeah, like it's my favorite favorite too the absurdity of it is just so refreshing yes yeah yeah like everybody else in the book is super bossy i mean they do have the like move down clean cup and they like shove her down a few chairs or whatever sure but it's just absurd but but, yeah it's just like craziness and i always felt like that scene in a weird way made the most sense to me right yes even though it was supposed to be the looniest yes right (laughs) which i mean that does explain quite a lot to this day sure yeah yeah (laughs) so what we need to do when we're allowed to hang out together again is like wrangle everybody together for the mad hatters tea party and actually like explain why we're having an absurdist tea party and how we got to this place and then we can do that as a fun event and like light some sparklers and shit i think that's a great idea um and i think that's also a good happy note to end on because we have pushed this discussion quite to the edge of an hour um hopefully we do have to make a few cuts where there were some stills or some freezes and things but um we have we have well over an hour of you can just say it i had to take a bathroom break well yeah but i mean there was the other thing where you froze and yeah anyway oh and then it was just us talking at no one yes we were talking at no one uh talking at odds or at evens were we talking at yeah. evens one half of this podcast will make you talk even. Another half will make you talk odd. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, tip. Oh. Um. <laughs> I don't know if I should say it. Oh, boy. Now you definitely have to say it. Well, you should probably eat both halves of the mushroom when yeah. someone gives them to you. Right. <laughs> yes. Just Follow the instructions. Eat eat the mushrooms. Eat the mushrooms. Yeah, both halves. Yeah, both yep. both ends. Um, right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> There's my tip. All right. Love it. Okay. 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 Bye. Okay.